Today, I want to talk to you about God's favor. God's favor. 2 Peter 1 verse 2. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to 2 Peter 1 verse 2. 2 Peter 1 verse 2. May grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. I'll repeat that again. May grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Highlight the word grace. Grace comes from the Greek word charis. And in the New Testament, this word charis and, is, and its variations occur almost 157 times. 157 times. So if I just took 15 verses a week, I'll take about 10 weeks to talk about favor. There's so much. This book is a book of favor. Grace and favor are interchangeably used. Okay? But I want to show you something. This word charis, also known as grace, is also used as favor and kindness mostly. But there are times when this word is also used to mean gift or a blessing. Or it also means to be credited. You know, when money comes into your account, you get a message which says so much money has been credited into your account. That word credit also means charis. It comes from the root word charis. Something interesting that I found is even the word gratitude or thanks also comes from the same word charis. So when I was meditating on just the usage of these words, what I got from the Holy Spirit was favor is not something that you can earn. Favor is credited. Favor is received. You can only receive it. You cannot earn it. You cannot work for favor. Favor cannot be earned. It can only be received. And once it is credited into your life, the one who receives it responds in gratitude. So favor begins with God. And He gives and we just receive. But it ends with gratitude. Every time you experience the favor of God, it ends with gratitude. You cannot remain silent. When you have the favor of God. Because the favor of God is quite evident. The favor of God is not silent. It's quite evident. The meaning of the favor of the Lord means Lord leaning towards you. Meaning of favor is Lord leaning towards you. Favor is an extension of who God is. See, when God comes into your life, when His presence comes into your life, favor is an, is an extension of who He is. So, what are the signs of favor? What do you think is, are the signs of favor? One of the signs is people like you. Because the favor of God is revealed in the favor of men. People like you. Mordecai was working in the palace of the king of Persia at that time. And Haman, who was the prime minister, who was second in command of the entire Persian kingdom, hated Mordecai. 
it does not matter who hates you what matters is who likes you the king liked mordecai that was enough you and god are a majority jesus said the world will hate you because it hates me the father loves you the father is leaning towards you that is enough for you the favor of the lord is revealed in the favor of men what's the other thing about favor you solve problems you change systems daniel daniel was so influential that he was changing the systems of the babylonian and the persian kingdoms the favor of the lord can set you apart the other people your colleagues might be equally trained might be equally you know they might have the equal aptitude and the knowledge but favor will set you apart i want to declare over this over your life what you need today is favor because the favor of god will set you apart now i'm not trying to say don't be diligent be lazy at your workplace and just claim the favor of god that's not what i'm trying to say but what i'm saying what i'm saying is when everybody is diligent when everybody is excellent when everybody is knowledgeable what is going to set you apart is the favor of the lord it cannot be compared the other sign of favor is that you begin to grow in wisdom grow in wisdom like king solomon he grew in wisdom even jesus you know luke chapter 2 verse 40 says talking about jesus and the child grew and became strong filled with wisdom and the favor of god was upon him verse 52 jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with god and man favor when you grow in favor you grow in wisdom do you know that influence money and success follows wisdom influence money and success follows wisdom you solve the problems of the world money will come to you you will be rewarded for it isn't it see you have to see problems as opportunities Whenever Jesus saw problems he never got surprised or shocked or even afraid he used his, used it as an opportunity to reveal the glory of God that is what favor would do no matter what problems come against you the favor of God will use that problem to reveal the glory of God that same problem can become an opportunity to reveal who God is So for a child of God there is no problem that's a problem every problem is an opportunity every problem is an opportunity to set you apart every problem is an opportunity to declare to the world that you are the light of the world you are the light of the world every problem you are meant to solve every problem that's out there in the world that's why Jesus said when he when he taught us to pray he said let it be as it is in heaven 
earth is supposed to be a copy of heaven. But there are many problems on the earth. How do you solve it? The children of God, the body of Christ solves the problems. And it's the favor of God that enables us, that empowers us to solve these problems. Okay, so favor, please understand something. Favor is not earned. Favor is received. And favor is not fair. Favor is not fair. Because you can't work for favor. You can only receive favor. Favor is not fair. Amen? Okay. But I want to tell you something very important. Favor is not just an attribute of who God is. Favor is the person of God. Okay? Let me show you this. John chapter 1 verse 14. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as of the only son from the father, full of grace, which is full of favor, full of favor and truth. Jesus is the person of grace. Jesus is the person of favor. You have the person of favor with you. God did not just give you something from a distance and said, hey, keep this. He became the person of favor and he is with you. Not just that, he is in, in you. So you are surrounded by favor. You are in Christ, you are in favor. Christ is in you, favor is in you. You are with Christ, favor is with you. All around, favor is, has surrounded your life. In the same chapter, John chapter 1 verse 17, it says, For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. God gave the law through Moses. So it was given. But Jesus, God came personally to become his favor in our lives. Favor is not just a concept. It's not just an attribute of God. Favor is the person of Jesus. Is the person of Jesus. Amen. Now, I told you about the signs of favor. right? People start liking you. You grow in wisdom. You're set apart and you solve problems. But a lot of times, to see the favor of God, you know, it, it takes a spiritual mind to see the favor of God. Please understand this. See, Joseph, he saw a dream when he was a child. What was the dream that he saw? That all his brothers will bow down. What was that? It was a dream of favor. Dream of God's promise that I'm going to set you apart. But immediately you see his life going downhill. If I had received a prophetic word of favor, I'm expecting my life to go uphill, not downhill. Similar with Mary. The angel Gabriel tells her, you are highly favored. You have found favor in the sight of God. But look at her life. It goes downhill. In the natural, even if it seems going downhill, in the spiritual, it is going uphill. It takes the spiritual eyes to see the favor of the Lord. See, the favor of God becomes evident. It definitely becomes evident in the physical. But it takes time. A lot of things is working in the background, in the spiritual, in the invisible realm. The favor of the Lord was not on Joseph only when he became a prime minister. You have to understand this. Even when he was the servant of Potiphar, even then the favor of the Lord was with him. 
Let me, let me share that verse with you. Genesis chapter 39, verse 2. Genesis 39, verse 2, talking about Joseph. The Lord was with Joseph. Do you see that? The Lord was with, again, what is favor? An extension of God's presence. It is the presence of God. The Lord was with Joseph and he became a successful man. couple of issues in the church today is, is how we have defined certain terms. For example, prosperity. Prosperity is not having wealth, although wealth does come, but that's not the essence of prosperity. Prosperity is God being with you. See, it says the Lord was with Joseph and he became a successful man. He became prosperous. The favor of the Lord is not when you get a huge sum of money in your account. The favor of the Lord is when you get to know Jesus. And you start walking with Him. You begin to walk in favor. So immediately you might not see things turn around, you know. You might see challenges like Joseph. But God is working behind the scenes. The favor is working on your behalf. In the spiritual, your life is going uphill. Even though in the natural, it seems it's going downhill. See, this verse says, The Lord was with Joseph and he became a successful man. And he was in the house of his Egyptian master. His master saw. See, his master saw. His master saw that the Lord was with him. How did this heathen person saw that the Lord was with Joseph? There was something about the presence of the Lord that is significant in your life. That even when you don't see it, other people see it. His master saw it. His master saw that the Lord was with him and the, that the Lord caused all that he did to succeed in his hands. So what he was doing, what Joseph was doing, of course he was diligent. Of course he was excellent. But what he was doing was setting him apart because the master saw that this has to be completely supernatural. It has to be divine. The presence of God was with him. So Joseph found favor in his sight. In whose sight? In the master's sight. And attended him and he made him overseer of his house and put him in charge of all that he had. Favor. The favor of the Lord is not upon your bank accounts. The favor of the Lord is upon you. I'm saying this because we have to, we have to aggressively detach ourselves from the love of money. The love of money is not defined by how much money you have. Let me say that again. The love of money is the posture of your heart. It is not defined by how much money you have. Abraham was wealthy. He was so wealthy that nations were afraid of him. Isaac was wealthy. Judas betrayed Jesus for some silver coins. You get it? It's not the amount. It's the posture of the heart. Where money becomes bigger than God. We have to detach ourselves from the love of money. Why do we tithe? 
Why do we sow? Why do we give offering? Because we are declaring that God, you are the source of my finances. You are my source. Not the salary, not this job, not even this money. So I'm willing to lay it all down at the altar because I can declare that God, you are my source. So the favor of the Lord can set you apart and it is upon your life. So no matter where you are, no matter which part of the world you are, the favor of the Lord will always be there and it will be evident. Now, what happens with Joseph is he's accused of rape and he's put in prison. But see what happens in the prison. Genesis 39 verse 20 to 21. And Joseph's master took him and put him into the prison. The place where the king's prisoners were confined. And he was there in prison. But look at this. But the Lord was with Joseph. And showed him steadfast love. And gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. Because of the favor of the Lord that was upon him. He found favor with the person who was keeping the prison. Doesn't matter where you are. The favor of the Lord is upon you. Because the presence of God is with you. It's the presence of God that brings favor. So more than looking for these outward signs, yearn for the presence of God. To become conscious, to become aware of the presence of God. Because these things are, these evident things, the people liking you, you're growing in wisdom, you're becoming successful, you're being set apart. These evident things are the fruit of you staying in the presence of God. Of you becoming aware, you becoming rooted, acknowledging that God is good and He is for me, He is with me, He is in me, He is empowering me and He is strengthening me to do everything that it takes to fulfill my mandate. The presence of the Lord. Come with me. Second Peter chapter 1. May grace and peace be multiplied to you. May grace and peace. I want you to highlight and because grace never comes alone. Say with me, grace never comes alone. You know, the Bible says, Stephen, full of grace and power. Stephen, do you remember Stephen who was stoned? He was full of grace and power. So power comes with grace. We read this verse in John chapter 1 verse 17. That Jesus, grace and truth came through Jesus. So truth comes with grace. Power comes with grace. There's one more. Joseph, he found favor and wisdom. So wisdom comes with grace. Because the favor is the extension of God, grace doesn't come alone. It brings peace. It brings wisdom. It brings power. It's, it's a combined package. It's a combined package. That's why I'm saying what today you need is the grace of God. Because the grace of God is the person of Jesus. See, how, how, how did we become saved? How were we saved? We were saved when you heard the gospel and you believed in Jesus. Ephesians 2 verse 8 says, For we are saved by grace through faith. Say with me, we are saved by grace through faith. It took the favor of God. It took the leaning of God towards your life to save you. 
Grace is the source. Faith is the channel. You are saved by grace through faith. So your Christian walk, right? This walk of being a believer began with favor. It began with favor. And now Peter is saying, I pray that grace and peace be multiplied. Whatever it began with, let it multiply. You grow more in that favor. Why do you need multiplication? You have to understand this. Because this grace of God that is upon your life is not just for forgiveness of sins. Please get it. The gospel is not just about forgiveness of sins. Jesus did not die so that he can just take you to heaven. Yes, that is there. But do you know that you're already in heaven? Ephesians 2 verse 1 begins by saying that you were dead in your trespasses. Yeah, you were dead in your sins. You were spiritually dead. There was no life in you. There was no way that you could have responded to God. See, if you ask a dead person to sing a song, he can't sing a song. You were spiritually dead that there was no way that you could come to God in your own effort or strength. But verse 4 says, but God being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, he made us alive together with Christ. So when Christ became alive, you and me became alive. You and me became alive. He just did not just make us alive. He's made us seated with him. He make us sit with him. Where is Jesus seated? At the right hand of God. That's not it. Far above. Say with me, far above. Far above every power, every rule, every authority, every name. So you are seated in heaven right now. We're not going to heaven. In Jesus, we are living from heaven. In Jesus, we are living from heaven. That's why you need the favor of God to empower you in the assignment that you have on the earth. There's an assignment that each child of God has. And the assignment is for heaven to invade earth. And how does heaven invade earth? Through you. Luke 17, 21, Jesus said, Don't say the kingdom of God is there or here. Say the kingdom of God is within you. See, right from Genesis 1, God's mandate, God's assignment was always for heaven to invade earth. Was always that. That's why God blessed Adam. With the same power that he created the universe, he blessed Adam and he said, be fruitful, be multiplied. Unfortunately, we only understood the physical aspect of being fruitful and multiplied. Being fruitful and multiply, replenish the earth and subdue the earth does not just mean having children. Because if it just meant having children, then Jesus was the most unfruitful person. Being fruitful means produce something. Be purposeful, live a purposeful driven life. 
God has a purpose for you. I want to encourage you today by saying that God has chosen you for He has a purpose for you. You did not just accept Jesus so that you could go to heaven. You accepted Jesus so that heaven could express itself through you. That's why we need the favor of God. We need the favor of God. The favor is not just for materialistic things. Please understand. The reason why God blesses us even in material blessings is so that His name is glorified. Peter, he toiled all night and couldn't find fish. The next morning, Jesus comes to him and he says, Peter, go into the deep and put your net on the right side. And they found so much fish that the boat was sinking that they had to ask James and John to help them. Even their boats began to sink. They saw so much favor. So much favor. But understand this point. The passage does not end there. What did they do with so much favor? They left everything and they followed Jesus. That's true favor. You know, you see favor in these materialistic blessings, but you having the audacity to say, this is true favor. Because favor is the person of Jesus. The ability to say no to these things. And I have nothing against materialistic blessings, okay? I have nothing against you, your salary getting incremented and you believing for that. Nothing against it. But it's a problem when that increment stops you from seeing God. You are passionate. You are prayerful. Oh man, I could pray for four hours because I just want to get married. Oh God. And then once you get married, you don't have the time. Favor is on you because the favor is the presence of God. Don't get distracted. Keep your eyes on Jesus. So when your eyes are on Jesus, you probably have left the boat, sinking boat, full of fishes and you followed Jesus. And he's probably, take, probably taking you through wilderness where there seems to be no way, where there seems to be no hope, where there seems to be no water. But even there, he can multiply bread and fish. Christian life is to walk completely putting our faith in the goodness of God and to see our lives completely through His spiritual eyes. Even though the evidence is not there in the physical or not, but you know that God has better plans for you. And you pursue Him because He is favor. He is with you. There's, there's, there's a reason why God is showing favor to you. There's a kingdom purpose behind favor. It is to reveal the glory of the Lord. You know, when God blessed Israelites in Deuteronomy 28, when the Lord was blessing them, you know, He said, Blessed shall you be when you come in. Blessed shall you be when you go out. Blessed 
is all the resources that you have. Blessed shall be the fruit of your womb. When he was giving all of these blessings in verse 9 and 10, Deuteronomy 20, verse 9 and 10, he says, the Lord will establish you as a people holy to himself. Why is the Lord blessing us? So that he can set us apart. Set us apart. So that the people of the world will know and see this has to be God. I believe one of the most uh, effective way of evangelism is jealousy. Paul tells his Gentile Christian friends, oh, I just pray like seeing what the Lord is doing through your life, my Jewish brothers will know Christ. I pray that seeing what the Lord is doing in your life, my brothers and sisters out there in the world will know Christ. The Lord's favor is upon you to set you apart so that His name is revealed in and through you. So that His glory is revealed in and through you. And the people will know the name of the Lord. People will know the name of the Lord. There's a kingdom purpose behind you having favor. You have to understand this. There's a reason why favor of the Lord is upon you. It's not just to drive a better car. What's the point of driving a better car if there's no purpose added to it? There's a kingdom purpose. God is very intentional with whatever he does in your life. There's a kingdom purpose behind your favor. You are meant to invade earth because you are the reality of heaven right now. Right now. That's why you have to become diligent in your work. You have to become excellent because... It is God's name that is on the line. He leads us in the path of righteousness for His name's sake. That's why we are excellent. We are diligent. We don't take shortcuts. We don't cheat. Because we don't need to do that because favor has set us apart. Favor has set you apart. You don't have to trample on your colleague to get a better position. Let me say favor of the Lord is upon you will set you apart because the purpose of the kingdom has to come through you. It will come through. It will come through. Come on, let's come back. Second Peter 1 verse 2. May grace and peace be multiplied to you. Say with me, multiply to you. Do you want grace to be multiplied? Let me read a couple of verses. John chapter 1 verse 16. It's talking about Jesus. For from His fullness, we have all received grace upon grace. Say with me, grace upon grace. Grace upon grace. It took the favor of the Lord to save you. But do you know there's so much more grace that He wants to release over your life? If you know the name of Jesus and if you're here worshipping the Lord and if the Holy Spirit is leading you to the Father, that is favor of God right there working in your life. It is a favor of the Lord that points us to Jesus. Why? Because the favor is the person of Jesus. But here, 
It says, for from his fullness, we have all received grace upon grace. You know, once when I was meditating this verse, the picture that I, that I saw was, I'm standing on a beach and these waves coming. As soon as one wave ends, you see a rise of the other wave. That's how favor is. Favor has the habit of repeating itself. If you got an increment in your job, if you got a promotion in your job once, that you call that a breakthrough. Favor is when it keeps happening again and again. Favor repeats itself. See, Jesus, from his fullness, he has given us grace upon grace. Grace upon grace. Grace upon grace. There's so much more grace. There's so much more grace that you can walk into. Romans 5.17 says that whoever has received the abundance of grace. See with me, abundance. Whoever has received the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness shall reign in life. What are you doing on the throne seated at the right hand of God? With Jesus, what are you doing? You're reigning. See, if Jesus is known as the King of Kings and Jesus is known as the Lord of Lords, who are the kings and who are the lords? You are the kings. You are the lords. Who he is king of. You are called to reign in life. How do you reign in life? Through the abundance of grace. You began your journey with grace, but can I tell you, there's so much more grace that God wants to release over your life. All it requires for you is to receive it by faith. Because you can't earn favor, you can only receive. I'll show you one more interesting verse. This really blew my mind, Ephesians chapter 2 verse 7. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 7 talks about why you are seated with Christ at the right hand of God. Why? Okay. Say, so that in the coming ages, say with me, in the coming ages, not in the next millennium, in the coming ages, meaning in the near future. Okay. So that in the near future, he might show who? God. God might show the immeasurable. What does immeasurable mean? That you can't measure it. It's unlimited. Listen to this, guys. It's unlimited. Unlimited riches of His what? Grace in kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. Did you know that God is not done with you yet? When you were dead in sins, Christ died for you. He made you alive. He was not done yet. He made you sit with him at the right hand of God. He was not done yet. Now what is he doing? He has seated you at the right hand of God so that he can show more of his favor. More of his favor. More of his favor. <sighs> can I say this? When you look at the cross and you see cross as a sign of God's favor, right? You see cross as a sign of God's love. Here God is saying, I am not done yet expressing my love to you. You are seated with me so that I can show more of my love, more of my faithfulness, more of my kindness, more of my favor. There's so much more. There's so much more. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that He gave His Son. Jesus did not die to make you lovable. God always loved you. But somehow, it takes the blood of Jesus to cleanse our conscience to understand that God loves us. 
Do you get it? God always loved us. Before the foundation of the world, He chose us. He knew you by your name and He said, Hey, I love you. I've chosen you. I've accepted you. I have predestined you so that I can love you and show you more kindness. But sin, sin gives us an illusion that God does not love us. Sin gives you an illusion that God does not love you. So because there was sin in our life, every time we saw God, we felt distant. We felt separated. Why? Because sin is separation. God was not separate. Even when Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, who came towards them? God. Who ran away? Adam. But somehow sin gives you an illusion that God runs away from you because you're a sinner. God does not run away towards you. God does not run away from you. He runs towards you. And the word became flesh. Why? Because he was running towards you. And he sought you after. Your life in Christ began with favor. But can I tell you this? There's so much more available for us. You cannot quench the grace of God that is upon your life. There is so much more grace upon grace upon grace that has been bestowed upon you because it comes out of the unlimited measures, unlimited riches of His kindness. In Christ, it is impossible to live a defeated life. It is impossible to live a defeated life. But what the devil and the sin does is it gives us an illusion that God is away from us. It's an illusion. But God is not away. God is not away. That's why Jesus says, sanctify them by your word because your word is truth. The meaning of truth is reality. Sanctify them by your word. Your word is reality. Sin also gives you a reality, a distorted reality of what the actual truth is. The truth is actually found in God's word. When Jesus died on the cross, he took that sin upon himself. The sin that was speaking to us about separation that was distancing us from God, he took that sin upon himself and for the first time in his life, he looks at God and he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? You have to understand this. It was not because God turned his face to face away from him. It was, it was a perspective that Jesus had because he had taken the sin of the world. Psalms 22, the psalmist very clearly he writes when he begins, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? But if you continue in those passages, it says, oh, but he listens to the afflicted and he responds to them. Do you know that we are saved by the faith of Jesus? You know what's the faith of Jesus? That when he was on the cross, when he took the sin of mankind and when sin was telling Jesus, God hates you, God is angry at you, God is distant from you, it took the faith of Jesus to overcome sin. And he says, no, my father is good. He still loves me. He'll still listen to me. And that's how he defeated death. That's how he defeated sin. 
He defeated that separation by his faith. That's what Paul says in Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ. And the life that I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God. You are saved by grace through the faith of Jesus. That's why both grace and faith is a gift of God towards your life. Let's get to this. How do you walk in the abundance of grace? How do you walk in the abundance of grace? May grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Grace and peace is found in the knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord. Where is grace and peace found? In the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. How do you walk in the abundance of grace? The more you increase in the knowledge of God and of Jesus, the more grace you walk in. The more favor you have in your life. What is this knowledge of God? This knowledge of God is not just biblical, literally, literary knowledge. This knowledge is talking about experiential knowledge. An experiential knowledge that comes out of a relationship, that comes out of intimacy. The Bible says Adam knew Eve. That knowledge is intimate knowledge. Adam knew her intimately. When we know God intimately, when we walk in more intimacy, grace and peace is multiplied to us. Grace and peace is multiplied to us. Knowing God, knowing Jesus is eternal life. John 17 verse 3. Knowing God and knowing Jesus is eternal life. Your eternal life began when you said yes to Jesus. It has been credited into your life. But now it is our responsibility to walk in what we have been entrusted with. See, I can, I, can give you, I can give you 10 crore rupees into your account. But if you don't know how to withdraw it, and if you don't know how to use it, it will lay dormant the rest of your life. You have been entrusted with eternal life. Eternal life is knowing God and knowing Jesus. The more you know God, the more you know Jesus, you will see the evidence of it in favor. The evidence is favor. So how do you know God? It takes two things. It's a combination of two. Right? Ministry of God's word and the ministry of his spirit. You need both. How do you know God? Ministry of his word and ministry of his spirit. What does that mean? Reading your Bible and praying. As simple as that. Paul tells Timothy, he says, these scriptures that you are acquainted with right from your childhood it has the wisdom for salvation. It can make you wise for salvation. It can give you application knowledge for salvation. You need application knowledge how to live an eternal life right now. So the scriptures gives us wisdom. 
but the spirit of god increases our capacity for that wisdom see you can only pour water into this glass as per its capacity you increase its capacity more water can flow similarly you have a capacity when you began in jesus and that capacity increases with the holy spirit that's why paul prays in ephesians chapter 1 verse 15 to 17 he prays i pray that you will have the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him so these scriptures will give you wisdom but your capacity increases by praying in the holy spirit you need both any time we go into one extreme of this dimension we get into an error we become cuckoos cuckoo christians right you, and you see you see it all the time the christians who are puffed up with knowledge they have so much knowledge but they have no evidence to show and there are christians who are full of the holy ghost but some problem comes they don't have anything to stand upon you need both the word and the spirit say with me the word and the spirit because that's how god has revealed himself to us amen are you guys blessed i don't know about you but i am blessed amen can i tell you something the fruit of knowing god is eternal life how do i know this because jesus said it john 17 verse 3 the fruit of knowing god is eternal life eternal life is not life after death eternal life is not an afterlife eternal life is right now right here knowing god living an abundant life that's eternal life and that is available for you and me right now you have been blessed with it in the person of jesus so the fruit of knowing god is eternal life when you don't know god you operate in another dimension which is known as the knowledge of good and evil listen to this very carefully the knowledge of good and evil the fruit of that knowledge is death knowledge of good and evil looks good from the outside because everybody thinks i know what is good i know what is wrong i know what is evil and i know what is better but the knowledge of good and evil will always lead you to death so if you don't intentionally diligently pursue knowing god you will be always operating from the knowledge of good and evil see on a ground if you don't intentionally sow seeds it will automatically grow weeds automatic if you don't read your bible automatically you will have negative thoughts it's automatic you don't have to do anything to have negative thoughts right it's automatic but when you intentionally make a choice to know god to pursue him and to know him intimately what happens is you walk in eternal life so our default choice is that we are walking in we are walking in death towards death that's a default choice but every time you make a choice you make a decision no i'm going to know god in this circumstances you step into eternal life because that dimension has already been open for you in the holy spirit look at how powerful it is paul says in romans 8 the spirit of god that raised christ from the dead lives in us and this spirit of resurrection gives life to your mortal bodies 
It gives life to your mortal bodies. Your mortal body is decaying by default. But every time you make an intention to walk by the Spirit, every time you make a choice to know God, you experience abundant life. Decay stops. Time stops. Because you're no longer under the control of time. Why? Because you're seated far above every power, every rule, every authority, every name that is to be named. Know God. Make an intentional choice to know God. Make an intentional choice. Make an intentional choice. How do you make an intentional choice? Scriptures and prayer. Scriptures and prayer. Spend time with Him. You know, in my experience with God, I've learned one thing. That God is never in the habit of hurrying. He's never in a rush. It takes the waiting upon God for things to happen. Right? It feels like everybody has gone far ahead in life. and You're still there waiting on God. Waiting on God because God said, God released the word and he said, wait. It feels like the entire world has moved ahead. But then suddenly, immediately, things change. Suddenly, overnight, Joseph became a prime minister. Overnight, Mary saw the deliverance of the entire cosmos. Overnight. But till then, it seemed that their life was going downhill. Overnight, as you wait on the Lord, because when you wait on the Lord, you are catching up to the frequency of God. Because when God moves, He moves faster than the speed of light. And then immediately, suddenly, the boat that you were supposed to step in, that boat has already reached the shore immediately. The suddenlies of God. The suddenlies of God. But in that waiting, it looks difficult. That's why James says, count it. Count all trials, right? As pure joy. Because the testing of your faith produces perseverance. And perseverance makes you complete. In the waiting, God has asked you to wait. And I know that wait is going to end very soon. Because the suddenlies of God are going to happen in your life. Suddenlies of God. The years that the locusts have eaten. Oh man. It is going to get restored. Suddenlies of God. Wait upon Him. Wait upon Him for He is worth it. He is worth it. Waiting upon God is that you are saying, I prioritize you, Jesus. I prioritize the kingdom. Waiting upon God is that you are not distracted and you keep your eyes on Him and His ways. Amen. Amen. Amen.